Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. Today we're going to be looking at a couple of different passages that are related in terms of theme and context to a couple of very, very important verses we left off with last week in 1 Corinthians 16. The verses were verses 13 and 14. And I'm sure everyone in the room that was here last week have memorized them, and you can say them with me from memory, right? (laughs) Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. What a couple of great verses, wouldn't you agree? A great description, an amazing challenge of how we are to do life in Christ Jesus. And so we are encouraged from that in some verses that we're going to be looking at to to not give up ground. We mentioned that last week. As we said last week, we're to, we're to be on guard, we're to, we're to stand watch. We know that Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, what are the, some of the things that we're to watch for? He mentions there the roaring lion who is out to devour and do destruction, who seeks to attack in that way. But not only are we to watch for that roaring lion, which is the enemy, right? But we're also to watch for the promise of the coming lion, the tribe of Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah. We're to watch for him as well as he doesn't come back to destroy us, but comes back to deliver us and take us home to be with him. Looking attentively for the return of Christ implies a readiness that includes a lifestyle of Christ-like living And serving. And as we're standing on guard and watching, we are to stand firm in the faith, not moved by this world, not giving ground, instead, gaining ground for the kingdom of our God. And we won't give ground if we will be what? Courageous and strong in the Lord and with God's help and with his grace living out these exhortations that were given to us in 1 Corinthians 16, living them out, knowing that they are based on the foundation of, verse 14, doing everything in love. Very reminiscent of chapter 13 of Corinthians, right? The love chapter. Now, Paul, we discovered back in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, he also wrote these words in This is going to sort of be our springboard into what we're going to be talking about this morning. He said there in chapter 10, verse 11 of 1 Corinthians, the events and stories of the Old Testament occurred as examples for us. In other words, we learn principles and strategies for a victorious Christian living through what we see in the lives of those who are portrayed in scripture, in God's word, such as Joshua. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Joshua chapter one. Joshua had some similar words spoken to him by God himself. Be strong, be courageous. 
And so to fully appreciate the story of Joshua, we first need to look at the very last verse of Deuteronomy. Okay, that's, you just look, lift your eyes up about that much probably in your Bibles, and you will, you will find Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 12, the very last verse of that book before going into Joshua. It says, For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. That's describing Moses, right? And we know as we move into Joshua, look at that first verse, the first three actually with me. He says, it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. All right, so Joshua, Moses is gone. You're on. <laughs> no big deal, right? Wrong. I mean, that's why we looked at that last verse in Deuteronomy. I mean, think about what they experienced under Moses' leadership. The parting of the Red Sea, water coming from a rock, and just miracle after miracle after miracle. And now God is kind of tapping Joshua on the shoulder saying, all right, Moses is gone. Tag, you are it. Interestingly enough, when Moses went back to Egypt to lead the people out of Egypt, he was 80 years old. At this point in time, Joshua is 80 years old and being called to lead the people in. Moses took them out. Joshua is going to lead them in. And so God is saying, hey, tag, you're it. Moses is gone. I want you to take on the job of leading these people and these people being, and I'm thinking Joshua's thinking, oh my goodness, these folks that gave Moses that hard time for the last 40 years, and then their descendants, right? The rebellious, the stiff-necked people of Israel. Joshua, I want you to lead them. You see, at this point in time, here is the beginning of Joshua. They are camped along the east bank of the Jordan River. Now, what's important about that is at the very edge of the land that God had promised the people four decades earlier. In other words, here they are again, exactly where they were 40 years earlier where it all went wrong. They're right back there. The land that's flowing with milk and honey. It is as if God is saying to Joshua and the people of Israel, I have made my move. I have communicated what I am doing. The question now is, Israel, what are you going to do? Here's what I've done. I've communicated it. What are you going to do? 
Typically, we like to ask that question, don't we? At the very least, we wonder it. God, what are you up to? What are you doing? Especially when things are going on in our life that causes unrest and, and, you know, fear or anything like that. We like to ask God, what are you doing? But I'm wondering if God typically is always kind of like saying to us, asking us if we had ears to hear, what are you doing? (laughs) Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I've done. Here's what I'm doing. And we even have God's word. And here's what I'm going to be doing. Question back to us is, what are you going to do? God says, there's a promised land that I have given to you. Are you going to remain in unbelief? You're going to remain wandering in the wilderness? Are you going to enter in? Perhaps there are some here today who feel like you've never made it to the place of abundant living with regards to your spiritual life. You're wandering around in the wilderness instead of inhabiting the promised land. The land of faith, hope, and love. And so I just would want to encourage you before we go any further this morning, now is the time, if ever there was a time, for you to make your decision, for you to make your move out of the wilderness and into the land that God has promised. All that he has accomplished for us on the cross of Calvary. Now is the time. And if you will, you must turn to the Lord and be, what? Courageous and strong and standing firm, not giving ground. This is what Joshua was needing. And for that very reason, God spoke to Joshua quite persuasively to his heart with an unmistakable call. Moses, my servant is dead. Arise, get moving, fill the gap. And after telling Joshua twice in verse 6 and 7 to be strong and courageous, look at what God says to him in verse 9 of this first chapter of Joshua. God says, have I not commanded you? I love that. It's not God saying, haven't I not made a suggestion to you? (laughs) Have I not hinted? Have I not said, you know, when you get a chance or if it works out for you, Joshua, maybe you could. God says, I haven't I not commanded you and commanded to do what? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever (laughs) you go. Joshua, just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Every step you take, I will be there with you. Every step. Joshua could have given in to fear. I think there's a reason that God's speaking these words to Joshua because he needed to hear them. He could have given in to fear, but he instead decides to trust God. To move forward instead of backwards, to be strong, to be courageous. You see, courage crushes fear. That's because fear is a feeling. Courage is an attitude. (laughs) We're we're, we're people that like like to have an attitude, don't we? (laughs) It may not be a good one sometimes, but 
But we, we have an attitude. I love this. God's saying, I want your attitude to be one of courage, not fear. An attitude that leads to action. God's call on your life, my life, involves moving in some aspect from point A to point B. <laughs> if you're going to get where God wants you to be, you'll need to demonstrate courage along the way as you really as you rely upon the spirit of God to enable and empower you for the task or task plural because there will be obstacles right we all know that's true there will be obstacles that we need to overcome there will be days when turning back will seem like it's just so much easier to do because you'll often feel like you're in this thing all alone and all by yourself. And because failure always seems to be just one bad decision away. When you get serious about moving forward in life, be it personally or relationally or spiritually, you'll find that fear Fear of the known as well as the unknown is always willing to keep you company. Have you found that to be true? It's really never, ever that far away. It's always ready to be your excess baggage. Amen? Always it's ready. And if you want to be the person that God has called you to be, you have to decide now that you will choose courage over fear at every turn of the journey. Courage is a choice. Joshua could and, and we can be courageous because one, God's promises. It's what we find in verse six. Secondly, because of God's power, it's what verse seven is about and eight. And then thirdly, because of God's presence, which we just saw in verse nine. Fear is a feeling. I'm repeating this. I want us to get this. Courage is an attitude, an attitude that leads to action. So then, we should never forget that courage isn't the absence of fear, but is instead determining that something else is much more important than our fear. Amen? Amen. And so God challenges Joshua to be strong and to be courageous, but then he also challenges him to not get sidetracked from God's commands, from God's word. Look at verse 7 with me. It says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful Wherever you go, courage needs to be developed is what we're finding here. It needs to be nurtured. It needs to be cultivated. God spoke to Joshua and to us about how we are to go about becoming strong and courageous. You cultivate courage by getting into God's word. God tells Joshua how to apply the word to his life. 
He tells them to do three things, and all three are found right in verse 8. Look at this with me. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. That means speak the word. I was, just let me take a detour real quick here. I was thinking with regards to 1 Corinthians 16, 13, 14, how awesome it would be if that every time we ran into each other or were parting from one another, we spoke those words to each other. Brother, sister, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Oh, and, and, and do everything in the love of God. Well, how amazing would that be? If we spoke those words, and we're being encouraged here to speak the word. Secondly, it says meditate on it day and night. What does this mean? Think the word. <laughs> speak it, think it, and then thirdly, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. We're to speak the word we're to thank the word, and here we find that we are to do the word. Obey it, in other words. Do what it says. He's telling Joshua to immerse himself in the word of God, to know it, to speak it, to think it, to live it. I love what Psalm 119, verse 111 says to us. It says, your statutes referring to God's word, are my heritage forever. Now listen to this. They are the joy of my heart. Can you say that with regards to God's word? You know, kind of like how we will say, I love to eat a cheeseburger. I love pizza. Kenny would say, I love those chili dogs. <laughs> Can we say, in a whole different way, and much more important, obviously, I love God's word. It is the joy of my heart. I can tell you this, the more of God's word you nurture, and cultivate into your heart, the easier it is to walk joyfully and courageously in the Lord. Fear is a natural reaction. We all experience it, correct? Every single one of us. It's a natural reaction to whatever circumstance might confront us, but it does not have to hold us back. We all feel afraid now and then, but the good news is that you don't have to give in to fear. You don't have to give up ground. A little later in the book of Joshua, chapter 5, actually, verse 1, I want to read this to you because it's just pretty cool. It says, now when all the Amorite kings, he's going to list the kings who are in the promised land, okay? The ones who 40 years earlier scared those those spies that went in to check out the land and, you know, they came back. We can't do nothing against them. They're giants. We'll, we'll, we're like grasshoppers. Remember, 
It's these people, okay? That's important you understand that. That's who we're talking about here. Now, when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had all crossed over, listen to this, their hearts melted in fear. And they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? I think that is amazing. The New Living Translation puts that last line like this. They lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. Church, don't let the enemy strike fear in your heart. Instead, May we, as God's people, filled with him, experiencing him, yes. strike fear in his. Yes. May it get to the place when the enemy says, oh, no, he's awake. <laughs> oh, no, her feet has just hit the floor. We're in trouble now. May we be the ones because of our standing firm in the faith, because of our being on guard, because of our courage and our strength in the Lord, be moving him back, not giving ground, taking ground for the kingdom of God instead of the other way around. Don't let the enemy strike fear in you. Let it be the other way. Now, because of 1 Corinthians 16, through 3 and 4, 13 and 14, and because of Joshua's story, I am also reminded of a passage in Ephesians chapter 6. And some of you just realize what that chapter is about. Those of you who know your Bible, it's the armor of God passage. where we are encouraged to stand our ground, where we are encouraged to suit up, yeah. <laughs> right? Amen. With the armor that God provides us. We are engaged in a war, church. Hard fought, not easily won. We live in a spiritual war zone. Our lives have been placed in the midst of a battlefield. Every moment throughout the day and night, there are things that are happening all around us that the natural eye cannot see, things taking place in the spirit realm. And so it makes perfect sense then that, on what, that based on what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, that we understand that while Jesus has power over every ruler every authority and every other kind of power, let's not forget that we do not on our own. We are engaged in spiritual warfare and without his help, without our being connected to him and to our brothers and sisters, we are toast. Look at verses 10 through 12 with me of this sixth chapter of Ephesians. Finally, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Not some of it, not partially. The full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Talking about the spirit realm. Paul says, be strong in the Lord. In other words, it's not a good idea to enter the battlefield all alone. But if you enter in his power, you are guaranteed victory. You'll remain standing. A term, a word used four times in this armor of God passage. And in light of 1 Corinthians 16, not just standing, but standing firm and solid, feet planted. Because Jesus Christ has been given all power in heaven and in earth, we do not have to lose spiritual battles. We don't have to allow ourselves to be pushed around by the enemy. Now, some of you may be asking, well, how can I know when I'm in a spiritual battle? We could spend the rest of the day and then some coming up with all kinds of examples. So here's just a brief sampling. Every time you are presented with the opportunity to entertain a lustful thought, you have entered a spiritual battlefield. Every time you have the chance to do something vindictive, you're on the battlefield. Every time you have the chance to say something harsh and hurtful and gossip, you're in the midst of a battle. Amen. Every time you think you're just a little bit better than people around you, you're surrounded by enemy fire. Every time you encounter a person in need, you're engaged in spiritual combat. Life is a spiritual battlefield. Yes, it is. There is a force at work in this world that does not want you to live for Jesus. There is a force at work in this world that does not want you to reflect God's love and his mercy. And that force will do whatever it takes to make sure that you don't do it. To make sure that you yield to fear instead of faith and courage to distract you from being on your guard. And so every time you are presented with the opportunity to entertain a lustful thought, but choose to honor Christ instead, you didn't give ground and you pushed back the darkness. Every time you had the chance to do something vindictive, but forgave instead, you were being courageous and pushed back the darkness. Every time you had the chance to say something harsh and hurtful and gossip, but spoke kind words instead, you were strong and you pushed back the darkness every time you're tempted to think that you're just a little bit better than those around you but chose instead to humble yourself and to take on the attitude of a servant you stood firm and you pushed back the darkness every time you encountered a person in need 
and had the means to help and follow through under the direction and leading of Jesus, you displayed his love. You pushed back the darkness every time. Every time. According to Isaiah 54, 17, the good news is no weapon formed against you will prevail. That's good news, isn't it? You know what it also lets us know? It lets us know that there are weapons formed against us. Let's make sure that we're clear on this. Our enemy might have weapons. He might have some strength. But our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is stronger. Our enemy has no power over our lives. So here's my suggestion. Don't give him any. Amen. <laughs> yeah. God has provided for us everything we need to do all the things that we've already just talked about. Now look at verse 13a and into verse 14 where we left off. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to do what? Stand your ground. God has provided resources to protect us in battle, which means he expects us to be engaged in battle. Makes sense, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, that's what he expects of us. Each item mentioned in the suit that we're to put on, this armor of God parallels a behavior that we are to do. Something we are to do in order to experience the fullness of God's strength. Reading on, it says, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Oh, I like that. This can be rightly interpreted as truthfulness or sincerity of heart. Paul is talking about our behavior. He's talking about truthful living, truthful thinking, truthful speaking. He's talking about not being deceptive. He's talking about honesty, godly character, and integrity. And then going on, it says, it talks about the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate's role is obvious, isn't it? It was like a bulletproof vest in ancient times. And what was the breastplate made of? We are told of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. So what does the enemy do? He fires his arrows at us. And we can call those arrows, arrows of condemnation. Anybody ever experienced that? Well, he may fire arrows of condemnation at us, but we can fire back arrows called conviction. That sends him packing. And then feet fitted with righteousness in verse 15. What Paul is saying here is the opposite of relaxing and doing nothing. He's saying, put your boots on. Start marching. Get moving. 
with the gospel of peace. Verse 16, we find the shield of faith. The shield of faith makes you impenetrable, especially when you're marching side by side with your fellow soldiers, your brothers and sisters in your community of faith. And then verse 17, helmet of salvation. Paul is talking about the way that we think. Just like a helmet protects your head, being continually mindful of our salvation does the same thing. Do you know why we can't give in to despair? No matter how bad things get, because God's salvation protects our heads where our minds are located. It keeps us from wrong kind of thinking, enabling us for proper thinking, biblical thinking. When we think about what he has done for us and all that he has promised us, we can't give in to despair, not even during the darkest days that we might experience. Verse seven, the rest of verse 17, we find the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit could be a specific word that God gives you at the moment you most need it, such as a verse from Scripture that applies to a specific situation. I love this because it is when the written word, the logos, becomes the spoken living word known as the rhema. Obviously, that means you need to spend time in God's word. It, it <laughs> makes sense, right? Why? So that God can speak specific words to you on the battlefield of life in that moment that you need them. He has something to draw from. Verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Paul's strategy for prayer is really quite simple. <laughs> pray for all occasions. Pray for everything. Pray for everyone. Pray, pray, pray. <laughs> this is our greatest weapon. It really is. We sing a song here. And when we do our fighting, we do our fighting on our knees. Right? Prayer. And it's... It's a sad deal that while we find here that prayer is our greatest weapon that we can use, it seems to be, generally speaking, the thing we do the least. It's our greatest weapon in spiritual warfare. Why? Because when you pray, you are humbling yourself, emptying yourself, or as we like to say around here, getting over yourself and submitting to God in order to be filled by him, in order to put on the full armor of God. It was Mark Twain who said, courage is the mastery of fear, not the absence of fear, as in, that's not fair. <laughs> fear can prevent you from entering God's place 
of victory. It can keep you stuck in the desert. Don't let it happen, church. Please do not let it happen. Today, choose courage. Choose not to give up ground. And keep moving forward into the place of promise that God has planned and has promised you. Amen. Father, we come before you thankful, grateful for your loving kindness, for your patience with us, for your making available to us everything that we need in this life to live in victory to not be pushed around by our spiritual enemy, but instead to push back darkness as we put you on display, as we reflect you, as we nurture and cultivate your word into our hearts and into our lives. God, I pray that you continue to move on us and in us to rise up and be the people of God that you have purposed us to be. May we decide today to make our move coming out of the wilderness and going into the promised land. We thank you, Jesus, for this. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will live.